Uh, why don't we open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. Uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 15 verse 21. And uh, thank you all so much for the kindness and hospitality. Uh, the gift basket. And um, so many great leaders in this church give honor to this wonderful leadership team all the volunteers to make something like this uh, possible and uh, I'm excited to get into this today and pray that this will be a blessing to you uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21 Matthew chapter 15 verse 21 if you have it say amen then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Verse 28, last scripture. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Uh, I draw my thought out of verse 28 when he said, O woman, great is thy faith. And I want to preach on that subject this morning. Great faith. Great faith. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands. Let's ask God to do exactly what he wants to do. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the wonderful foundation that I feel in this church. I pray that you bless and minister every heart, every mind, every soul, every spirit. We humble ourselves before you. We abide in the vine. We're nothing without you. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. God, I'm asking for you to minister as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? Come on, with expectation, can you clap those hands a little bit louder? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. yes. Somebody shout see. see. Don't make me pull the Spanish out on you this morning. Praise God. Next time, next time. Great faith. Very interesting that Jesus would come to the coast of Tyre in Sidon. For these were cities that the Jews despised with every fiber of their being. Jews did not like to travel 
and would avoid it as best they can to go to Tyre and Sidon. When they heard the words Tyre and Sidon, there was a chill that would come uh, down the spine of every Hebrew, of every uh, person of God when they heard the words Tyre and Sidon. Yet Jesus comes to visit Tyre and Sidon. They hated Tyre and Sidon because Tyre and Sidon was the place that Jezebel came from. And Jezebel left a dark taint on the nation of Israel because of killing the prophets of God, because of exalting false prophets and causing the people to worship uh, the false god Baal. And when they heard Jezebel, it wasn't anything good. And Jezebel was from Tyre and Sidon. Her father was the king of the Zidonians. And so when they thought of Tyre and Sidon, it immediately took them back to Jezebel, took them back to Jezebel's father and all of the pain that had been inflicted on the people of God. And, and all the major prophets prophesied that God was going to judge Tyre and Sidon. Uh, even Jesus prophesied. He said, woe unto you, Chorazin, for if the works that were done in you, if they were done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago. But he said, it's more tolerable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than it is for you. Even Jesus understood judgment is coming on Tyre and Sidon. Judgment is coming because of their background, because of their uh, being a part of the curse of Canaan. Tyre and Sidon, judgment is coming. Yet he comes to visit this place. It's because Jesus likes coming to places that you don't think that he can get glory. He likes coming into situations that you think it's impossible for him to get glory out of. He, he likes coming in the middle of people's mistakes, uh, in the middle of people's hurts, uh, in the middle of heartbreak. Uh, and he likes moving his glory right in the middle of it uh, just to show you he can get glory in any place. Amen. He comes in the tear inside on the place uh, that had been marked off by everybody that God can't do anything there. Come on, somebody. If they messed up too much. Uh, that's why they deserve judgment yet. Uh, although they had a tough history of mess ups and failures uh, and casualties, Jesus uh, sent his presence right in the middle uh, of a place that deserved judgment. Uh, I don't know what part of your life you tried to keep God uh, from coming into because uh, you don't think that he can get glory out of it uh, but I come to preach to you uh, that God is willing to come right in the middle of your situation uh, just to show you that he can do anything anything all things he likes getting glory in things that you deem as insignificant. He likes getting glory out of people that you've tried to mark off. He likes getting glory out of people that may have failed, that may have stumbled, but he prides himself uh, in visiting places that everybody perceives uh, that judgment is supposed to come on you and your family. Uh, he likes sending his presence there uh, just to make you a testimony that anything is possible. He likes getting glory out of things that you don't think that he can. 
who caused Samson to pick up the jawbone of a donkey and get victory over hundreds of Philistines. He'll use a jawbone if he needs to. Uh, he'll reach into the dirt. Come on, somebody. Uh, and he'll pull out dirt and begin to wipe dirt on the blind man's eyes uh, and cause him to see. He likes getting glory out of things that you don't think uh, that he can get glory out of. Think about it with me. The greatest miracle that God ever did uh, was whenever he manifested himself in the flesh. Uh, the fullness of God in the man Christ Jesus. To wit, God was in Christ uh, reconciling the world unto himself. It pleased the Father uh, that in him the fullness would dwell Jesus God in the flesh uh, now now, when something great happens like that that type of miracle you would expect him to be laid in a palace you would expect him to be laid in something like a Taj Mahal come on somebody something beautiful something amazing something that King Herod built but the Bible says they laid his body in a manger Oh, Lord, y'all going to throw me out of here this morning. Uh, uh, God in the flesh, they laid his body uh, in a manger, uh, a cattle trough. Uh, anybody here ever laid their baby in a cattle trough? Man, if you raise your hand, I was going to talk to Pastor John. We were going to have counseling this week. Praise God. It's not how we make it look on a, the Christmas play. It's got the garlands dripping out of the cattle trough. Got the hay just right. No, it was ugly. Uh, it was ugly. It was filthy. Yet God laid his body down in that place. And notice that the cattle trough is not remembered for the filthiness of its past. It's remembered that God's glory was laid down in it. And you're not going to be remembered for the filthiness of your past. You're going to be remembered that God's glory. Uh, no, no, notice that the filthiness of the manger did not taint the purity of the baby. But the baby's purity overwhelmed and overpowered. Come on, the dirtiness of the manger. Can I tell you, if God could do it with a cattle trough, what could he do with a son and a daughter? What could he do with a child of God? What could he do with somebody? Amen. Amen. A amen. He, he likes getting glory and places that you don't think that he can so although Tyre and Sidon it was prophesied that judgment was coming on this city uh, Jesus sends his presence there he comes there uh, and anytime any place that God sends his presence it's an invitation for you to make a petition anytime you feel the presence of God Little tear trickles down. Come on, somebody. That is an invitation for you to ask what you will. Every time. And him coming into this place gave this woman permission. Because she said, hold on, you're on my territory. 
Uh, what you doing over here, Jesus? <laughs> Come on, what, what you doing in my neighborhood? You know, nobody come around here. Praise God! You know, everybody drive around my neighborhood. Come on, somebody. Uh, they 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 don't even stop at the stoplight in my neighborhood. They just run, go on through. Praise God! They don't stop at stop signs. They scared that there's gonna be a drive by. Come on, somebody. Uh, they don't stop for nothing. They just keep on going. But hold on, you came to stop in my neighborhood. Uh, so while you're here, I got some things I'd like to ask you. Come on. I got a few requests on my list. Uh, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. This woman from Canaan, she was from Tyran Sidon. She was from a place of judgment. This woman was unworthy. She was from a place of understanding because of her background, because of her failures, because of her stumbling blocks, because of the things that she had been through, that she was disqualified from uh, getting a prayer answer. She came from a rough history. She was the type of person that would come into a church service like this and she would never lift up her hands to God. Oh no, because she didn't feel like she was worthy for God uh, to answer her prayer. Uh, she felt like everybody around her was perfect, uh, but she never had the courage to go to God for herself. Uh, when she considered her failures, when she considered her frailties, when she considered her history, she never had the courage uh, to go to God for herself. Uh, she was the type of person uh, that when everybody came to pray, she was the one that would slip out the back door. Uh, because she never felt like her prayers or her worship that God uh, was willing to hear her petition. Uh, so when she got into a service like this, uh, she'd keep her mouth shut. Uh, when she got into a service like this, she'd keep her hands down. Uh, when she got into a service like this, uh, she felt so disqualified she'd never uh, make a noise uh, because she never had the courage uh, to go to God for herself. Uh, but it was in a service just like this this a nine o'clock service she went home unchanged again and when she got home that day she opened her daughter's bedroom door and when she opened her daughter's bedroom door she saw her daughter writhing in pain possessed with the devil foaming at the mouth and when she looked at her daughter she saw her daughter battling with depression like she used to battle with depression she saw her daughter battling with anxiety like she used to battle with anxiety. She saw her daughter struggling with addictions and a victim of domestic violence like she used to be. So she thought to herself I may not have courage to go to God for me but I will do whatever it takes to go to God for my family. So there's about to be a cry that comes out of me. Uh, and I know that I don't deserve it. But I'll do whatever I have to do to get a touch. To get 
a touch for my family. And devil, you thought I would keep my mouth shut another day. Oh no, I'm about to worship like I've never worshipped. I'm about to shout like I've never... Uh, come on she said you know what I deserve judgment I'm not even going to try to cry out for me because with the things that I've done in my life I deserve judgment upon my life but when I see the devil messing with innocence when I see the devil messing with my teenage daughter come on somebody when I see the devil messing with my marriage when I see the devil messing with things that are precious I'm not just going to sit silent and let the devil have his way in my family I'm about to overcome my timidity. I'm about to overcome my fear. I'm about to over. Oh, somebody clap your hands right now. Come on, if you can't clap for you, you need to clap for your daughter. Come on, somebody. If you can't clap for you, you need to clap for your son. If you can't clap for you, you need to clap for somebody near you. Come on, I, I, I may not have courage to go to God for me, but when I see the devil messing with things that are precious, you're, you're about to see a side of me, devil. Come on, and I know I'm quiet, but when I was in the world, I was loud. Oh my, it's amazing how... Oh, Lord. Okay, here we are. Uh, It's amazing how people used to dance on tables in the world. And then they come to church and it's... And God's looking at you like, that ain't your personality. And the devil has a way of thinking that he cannot provoke an aggression out of you. Come on. That you will just sit there dormant and let him, let you be a doormat. Let him run over, run all through your house. Have you struggling with depression, wondering if you even saved. Come on, somebody. And he thinks you're just going to sit back and let it happen because it's 2021. And hey, there's a lot of uncertainty. But I've got bad news for the devil. He has touched the cord in a bunch of people in Atlanta West. And enough is enough already. There's about to be a worship that comes out of our bosom that's going to stop the devil in his track. Amen. 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 Uh, I told someone before, you know, if you don't worship God voluntarily, enough hell can come into your life where you worship him involuntarily. Come on. And if you don't pray to God voluntarily, you can go through enough hell in your life that you begin to pray to him involuntarily. I don't need the devil to provoke me to worship in prayer. I'm about to be on the offense. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of being reactive. Come on. I'm tired of just taking it day after day after. No, 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 no. Now I'm on the march because you're touching with things that are dear to me. She cried out, 
understanding that she deserved judgment. Understanding that she deserved judgment. Understanding that she was disqualified. Understanding that her background disqualifies her from a petition. Yet the Bible says that she came to him and cried out, Have mercy. Notice, notice she didn't ask for power. She said, look, if I ask for power, you might just kill me because I deserve judgment. I'm asking for mercy. And mercy is when God withholds judgment. It's when he withholds what you deserve. I need you to withhold judgment long enough for me to get a prayer in. Uh, it, it takes me back to the book of Genesis whenever God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to Sodom and Gomorrah to see if there's sin is according to the cry of it. You know what that tells me? Sin has a voice. And that voice cries out to God for immediate judgment. When we sin, our sins cry out to God, God, judge me now. But the cries of judgment were stifled by her cry for mercy. And isn't it amazing that anytime you sin, it cries out to God, God, judge me now. Yet you just being here today is a testament to the grace and the mercy of God. Because if God wanted to kill you, you wouldn't have made it through those double doors. But the very fact that you are here in the presence of God means that there has been mercy. <laughs> judgment. Cries of judgment. The cry of judgment were silenced by her cry for mercy. And our cries for judgment with our sin fall on deaf ears because he hears the cry of his blood. And the blood's cry is louder than your sin's cry. And he sees you through the lens of his blood. Come on, somebody. Not through the lens of your sin. Have mercy, O Lord. Look what she says, thou son of David. She says, look, Lord, I'm not just asking for everlasting mercy. I'm asking for mercy according to your messianic assignment. You're God in the flesh, and you didn't come to just die for the sins of the Jews. You came to die for the sins of the world. I'm not asking for just that laid up mercy out there. So I'm asking for that mercy that has manifested itself before my eyes. Look what she says. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She didn't say my daughter was vexed with the devil. Ooh, you know it's bad when you got to put grievous before it. Look, she said, look, my daughter was vexed with the devil, but, you know. I still didn't come to you because I felt like I could handle it. Come on, somebody. But, but the more I tried to handle it, 
Who am I preaching to out there? Things just got worse. The more I tried to do it my own way, it seemed like things just got worse. Like the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that for 12 years she tried physicians and doctors and everything, but she grew nothing better, but rather she grew worse. She said, look, I tried to do this in the flesh. It just got worse. Tried to raise my voice at my daughter. Stop that, girl. Y'all not hearing me out there. It's amazing how we get loud when we try to get in control. Girl, stop it. The daughter just rolling and possessed and stuff. Girl, I'm going to whip you now. You got... Come on. We all got that ultimatum. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, and she ain't listening. And she's like, well, she ain't just vexed with the devil. She's grievously vexed. And after she got the courage to cry out to God, to have mercy. Verse 23, the Bible says, but he answered her, not a word. Ooh. Oh, Lord. That gets me right there. Because I already overcame my timid nature to cry out. And as soon as I step out in faith to cry out, you ain't talking. Look, she came into the church like that. Ah! Ah! Preacher says, cry out! He said, okay, I'm, I'm going to look funny. I'm going to look a little crazy, but... Ah! And look... Crickets. Silence. Preacher told you to clap, shout, dance. Ain't nothing happened. And you're just met with silence. And it seems like when God's silent in your life, it's like everybody around you is getting the word but you. Your friend's like, oh, the Lord spoke to me today. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, you know, I had a dream. Oh, really? Awesome. Those are nice. I'm having nightmares. Everybody's getting words but you, and you're just like, look, I'm just looking for a word. The, and, maybe, comma, apostrophe, something. But after you step out in faith and you're met with silence, that's when the questions come. What is wrong with me? What am I doing wrong that God doesn't want him to answer me? Who did I think I was stepping out? Believing that God would do something in me and my family. How crazy I was to think that he would do that considering my history. And the questions start coming into your spirit. He, I know he won't answer me now because I deserve the silence for things I've done in my past. That I think I was in one service to step out in faith and shout and do all of that. And think that God would just forget it all. 
And she began to interpret her silence as judgment on her. But silence is not a sign that God is disappointed in you. Silence is a sign that he's trying to provoke you to desperation. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to stay in his presence when you don't hear anything? Are you willing to stay in his presence when you don't feel anything? How desperate are you? Come on. Are you willing to get desperate? Oh, but we get discouraged by the silence. As a matter of fact, we get still discouraged by the silence. When they ask you to cry out now, you're just like, eh. Cry out. Look, look. Eh. Look, look, I tried that. Look, my voice hoarse, man. I, I've been dealing with this situation so long. I've been crying. My voice hoarse. You know, I got a whisper in me, praise God. Because we get discouraged by the silence. It's interesting that when Jesus, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he was baptized, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. At the peak of Jesus' ministry, at the Mount of Transfiguration, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But on the cross, there was no voice. It was just silence. God's voice is silent, and you feel forsaken right before the resurrection. God's voice is silent and you feel forsaken right before the greatest miracles in your life. The greatest miracles are always preceded by a season of silence. Wave a hand if I'm helping somebody. Wave a hand if I'm helping somebody here. Y'all just so hungry. Y'all pulling the word out of me. Praise God. Can I keep a little to myself? Hallelujah. Okay. okay. Amen. God's voice is silent. And you feel alone right before the greatest miracles. And although he didn't hear a voice on that cross, Isaiah prophesied that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. So even though he couldn't hear anything, it didn't mean what he was doing wasn't pleasing. And just because God's silent doesn't mean you've been disobedient. Because silence many times means that God is preparing you. It doesn't mean that he's punishing you. He's preparing you for a new level. He's preparing you for a new dimension. He's preparing a blessing for your family. Can you endure the silence without judging yourself but saying you know what I'm going to praise you in the middle of it because something is on its way he answered her not a word she overcame her timid nature and when she does he answers her not a word now she has to overcome silence and verse 23 and his disciples came and besought him saying Send her away. Woo. My Lord. Send her away. My Lord. 
Man, I'm about to run in this place. Lord, have <laughs> the word of God is just so good. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, when people can't understand your pain. Y'all going to throw me out of here. Here it is. Uh, they couldn't relate to this woman's level of pain. You know why? Because the greatest thing that the disciples' family had been through up to this point is Peter's mother-in-law had a headache. Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. That was the most they had been through. So they cannot relate to this woman's level of grief. So they're looking at her when God has been silent in her situation and she's still battling with the same old thing. They look at her and say, what's wrong with you? You're not parenting well. Come on, somebody. You should have did this different. You should have did this different. Because when they see that God's been silent in your situation so long, they don't blame God. They start blaming you. Come on, somebody. And they could not relate to her level of pain because they hadn't been through much in their lives. But she's looking at him like, hold on, Peter. I was going through headaches when I was a teenager. If that's the most you've been through, I dealt with that when I was a teenager. I'm well beyond headaches right now the devil is trying to mess with the next generation the devil's trying to mess with something precious come on somebody so you don't have to understand my cry well you don't understand my pain come on somebody and you don't have to receive me Peter but there's a shout coming out of me because I'm in the presence of somebody that is merciful and gracious it says send her away Send her away. She, she's been through too much. Send her away. She's messed up too much. Send her away. Listen, what they say in verse 23, we witness the pride of the disciples. Oh, oh, I love the word of God. Send her away. Look what they said. For she crieth after us. They send her away, Lord. For she's crying after us. And she's looking at him like. I didn't come here for you. I came here for him. And your rejection of me isn't going to stop me from being in his presence. Bitterness isn't going to keep me out of the house of God. Unforgiveness isn't going to keep me out of the presence of Jesus. You don't have to like me. Come on, somebody. You don't have to receive me, but I got. I need a touch from the Holy Ghost. Come on, we don't have to agree with each other about everything that's going on in the world, but that's not going to keep me out of the presence of Jesus. Because... He's the one that I have my answer. He's the one that I have my strength. He's the one. I wish somebody would clap their hands and don't worry about anybody next to you. Come on, I wish you would lift up your voice and don't worry. Come on, I wish you would stand to your feet and clap those hands to the Lord. I wish you would stand to your feet and lift up your voice to the Lord. 
I wish you would stand to your feet and take a step of faith and cry out to God. Come on, clap again. I feel something beginning to move here. Come on, shout again. I feel something beginning to move here. Come on, worship again. I feel something beginning to move here. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Ah. She said, you don't have to agree with my situation, but I'm coming into his presence. Uh, you don't have to receive me. Come on, somebody. Don't let unforgiveness or holding a grudge keep you out of getting in the presence of the Lord. You got to make up your mind. There's nothing that's going to stop me from tapping into the glory of God. No circumstance. Come on. No loss. No job loss is going to stop me from worshiping my king and nobody else has to understand it you don't have to understand my cry but I'm so desperate I gotta cry on the inside of me and I'm gonna let it out no matter come on Come on, you gotta get delivered from what people think about you. You gotta get, see some of us, we're a little scared to cry in God's presence. We're a little scared to come up front and cry in God's presence. Why? Because we're afraid people gonna know we're going through something. Can I give you a revelation? You are going through something. So you say, I, I got to keep the tears together. Come on, somebody. I, I got to keep it together. I got to remain as stoic as possible because I don't want people in my business. Come on, somebody. And I'm scared. If I, if I cry too much, people start, might start laying hands on me. Come on, somebody, because you know we can feel when somebody's tapping in. But you got to not worry about all of that. Your daughter is vexed with the devil. It doesn't matter how much you cry. If that's what it takes to get a miracle, that's what I'm going to do. If that's what it takes to get a touch, that's what it's going. Come on. It takes great faith to stay in the presence of God when God isn't talking. It takes great faith to stay in the presence of God when people don't understand you. It takes great faith for you to stay in the presence of God. Although you've been in a silent season for a year, in two years, and five years, and some of you ten years, and you think that you are disqualified because of the sins of your yesterday, but you don't realize that you've been walking in great faith because even when you didn't hear anything you still come through those double doors with lifting up your hands to Jesus saying God I need a miracle yeah. musicians can come but let me tell you something remain standing you didn't realize that you were walking in great faith because you stayed faithful in the middle of silence. When others gave up, come on, Holy Ghost. When others threw in the towel, come on, Holy Ghost. 
even though you didn't feel anything. And even though you didn't hear anything, you just staggered in here every service, feeling unworthy, yet saying, God, I need you to do something for my family. I need you to do something on my behalf. And you've walked in here feeling like you've been walking in doubt and unbelief and failure and fear. But God's looking at you saying, you don't understand. You don't understand how much great faith you've been walking in. In the middle of everything going on, the most important thing in your mind was to be in the presence of God. No matter how unworthy you felt.